excited to start this new series today called Lover. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, the first time that I ever referred to Jesus as my lover when I wasn't singing was kind of a little awkward. You know, I thought, wow, Jesus, my lover, like that sounds kind of weird because we automatically have these uh, this place our brain visits whenever we hear words like lover, when we hear words that are real intimate. And uh, so... But Jesus is our lover. He's, you know, we used to sing a song when I first got saved. It said, Jesus, lover of my soul. How many of y'all remember that song? Jesus, lover of my soul. Come on, y'all remember? Jesus, I'll never let you go, right? So, um, and yeah, it was awesome. And uh, we used to sing that. And I remember my heart getting so connected during that song because it was like, it was okay in that moment for me to, to say that. It was okay for me to say, Jesus, you're my lover. But it seemed like any other time outside of the context of that song, it was just a little awkward. And, uh, and you, you know, but probably, I want to say about 10 years ago, I really started really studying God's affections and started studying God's emotions and, and started just, just discovering the way that God felt about me. And uh, started really digging into the scripture about his love and really had an understanding. I had a lot of religion in me. I had a lot of, a lot of good things and I was saved, but, but I was missing this. Even though I spent time with Jesus every day, it was like there was an intimacy there, but it was almost kind of hindered. It was almost like a relationship between like a brother and sister or something or, or, or a son and his father, which we do need to have that relationship with our heavenly father. But, but, but also we need to have this relationship where we are engaged with intimacy with this man named Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to dig into this series called Lover. And man, we're going to just open up some things about, about how he feels and, and what's his love look like? Because a lot of times we talk about God's love and we talk about his affections and talk about what he did. But what does, what does the love of God look like in our life? How do we experience it? And I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not okay with just knowing facts. We've talked about this a lot. This is part of the heart of overflow. As I'm not good with, with knowing things, with having a good knowledge base, with loving God with my mind. I, I'm good with that. But for me, like, I want to experience the things that I know. Like, there needs to be a tangibility to it. Like, I need to feel it. I need to see it. Like, I'm just being real. I need that. And people might call me shallow. That's okay. Um, I'm doing pretty good for, you know, serving the Lord for 20 years. But, but I've always been very, not dictated by emotions, Come on, but be able to connect with God emotionally. And I think for us, we, we've got to stop being bashful about his love for us. Come on, are you with me? And I feel like that, that's, that was kind of the way I felt when I would say that, Jesus is lover. Even when we kind of started talking about this series, people kind of like, you know, lover. Yeah, Jesus is my lover. Like we get a little bashful about that, but just get bashful because he loves you enough for you to get bashful. Come on, are you with me? I mean, it is overwhelming, but we've got to come in to a reality where we're okay with God loving us like that. Come on, are you with me? And we finished up our series last week, our capacity series, with the scripture I'm going to read today. And we're going to kind of launch this series from the same place that we left our series last time. Are you all with me? So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources. I love this. this is, we're doing a little bit different translation than last time. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will power you with inner strength through his spirit. So he's empowering us with inner strength, but it's by his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and it will keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand 
as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Notice it doesn't just say that we should know it, but you should experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Uh, Bill Johnson, who I quote a lot of times, um, just very, very much an influencer of my life as far as like one of the voices that I listen to. He has a thing uh, that he says oftentimes. He says, you know, everybody wants a king like Jesus. And you know, isn't it true that everybody wants a king like Jesus? But the question says, well, if everybody wants a king like Jesus, then why isn't he everybody's king, right? Because, I mean, when you and I, we experience him, we know him, and we want him to be our king. But everybody really wants that. But there's some reasons why they don't experience it. There's some reasons that he's not their king. So if, G- if everybody wants a king like Jesus, then why is he greatly rejected? Well, most, mostly because, first of all, of representation. Come on. Representation. Some some people that claim to be followers of Jesus, this Jesus we speak of, this good king that we speak of, represent him poorly. Come on. Or they represent him falsely. They call him by the name Jesus, but it's not the same Jesus. Come on, are you with me? Paul had this issue. You guys can read about it in Scripture. Paul had an issue of people were going around preaching Jesus. He had the same name as Jesus, but it wasn't the same gospel. Come on, are you with me? And uh, there's a lot of that going on in this age. People preaching a false Jesus, a false gospel, a false grace. So it's all about representation. If we would represent better, people would want more of his kingship in their life. It's about interpretation. Some people interpret him incorrectly. They misunderstand his reality. Come on. Negative things happen to them, so they say it's Jesus, it's God. So they get mad at God. Well, it's because you have a poor interpretation. You think God is just trying to teach you something all the time like he's his taskmaster. And so you don't ter- interpret him as a good king lover. You interpret him as a taskmaster dictator. Come on. The next thing is information. They're just ignorant. They have no information about Jesus, so they don't want a king like Jesus because they haven't been adequately informed. And the next thing is Revelation. People don't want a king like Jesus because they don't have uh, revelation. I, I love the, the, uh, the, this illustration, that my, and I think I've shared this before. My friend Ben has a great I- illustration on revelation. And uh, what it is, is is today I'm wearing white socks. I don't normally wear white socks, but today I'm wearing white socks. In fact, they're athletic socks, and they have stripes around them. I'm embarrassed to tell you because I don't normally wear those kind of socks. But I can tell you all day that I have those socks on. But until I lift up my pants and show you that my socks are white with stripes, see? Now you have revelation. It was always there. Those socks were always under there. But now you know that they're white socks with gray stripes. I forgot what color the stripes were. It's, I know it's pathetic that I'm wearing those socks. Eli will have a chat with me about that later. But that's revelation. That's right. I'm wearing boots. So it don't matter. Nobody's going to see my socks. I don't talk about other clothing underneath my clothing, but you'll know that. So they don't have a revelation. They don't know Jesus. They haven't experienced him in a real way. They haven't had an encounter. And you, you, you can't have a revelation of Jesus until he walks in the room. 
Come on, are you with me? Or until you walk in the room where he is at. Come on, it takes Jesus to know Jesus. It takes Jesus to experience Jesus. So today, I want to help lay some groundwork. And I'm just going to lay some groundwork for this series um, on the, the reality of Jesus and who he is. In this series, we're going to uncover some of the attributes of Jesus' as lover. And uh, my heart, as, as the pastor here, my heart is to provoke love for Jesus in you. That when we get done with this series, that you will not only love Jesus more, but you will you will tap in to, to what God has given you, a capacity that longs for more of Jesus, a capacity that's growing in your love for him. That it's not just, it's not just decade to decade or year to year or experience to experience. It, it, is, it is something that, it, that is continually moving in your life, a functioning. You're like, you're like a machine of discovering the love of Jesus. I, I've been uh, wrecked the last couple of days in, in my morning time uh, with the Lord and, and just getting ready for this service. And, 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 and uh, as I've been studying just the love of God and, and what does it look like, I'm just finding that the more that I look and the more I gaze and the more I study the love of God, the more love for him that I have. Like I, it's like I'm falling in love with Jesus like more and more by reading his word, by discovering his love for me. See, one of the things about God's love is it's irresistible. Whenever we experience it, we, we have to respond. And so when people are, are bitter and when people are, are struggling and when people don't love God back, it's, it's not because, it is because we're wicked, but, it, but it's really because of this. We haven't experienced his love. So really what you need more in your life isn't counseling. You don't, you don't need more money in your bank account to make you happy. You don't need a better spouse, um, right? You need more love in your life. You need more of the fullness of Jesus because what it does is it just makes everything else sweeter. Y'all okay? I'm finding that the more I gaze at him, the more I seek him, the more I love him, the more I find him, the more I discover him. I've been chasing this man, playing tag with this man for 20 years. And I'm finding that he can still, even 20 years later, blow my mind with his goodness. And so this is the, the, the point of this series, to provoke that in you, to, to, to make you a revelation machine. Come on, that you are learning more things about Jesus. That you are learning and experiencing more of his love, more of his affection, more of his passion every day. We can talk about issues and we can do, man, all that stuff's great. But listen, at the end of the day, it all comes down to Jesus. It all comes down to this man. John chapter 1. Let's, let's talk about, I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about the nature of Jesus and, and, and what, what Jesus, what the incarnation meant, what it meant when Jesus showed up on the scene. John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. If you guys want to read along with me, that would be kind of cool. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, speaking of John the Baptist. He came only as a witness to the light. 
the true light that gives light to everyone, to every man, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Dude, that's dense. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. It's good. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And here we go. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, who has made him known. I want to spend some time breaking this verse down. Verse 17, right here. John chapter 1, verse 17. It says, For the law was given... You might underline that in your Bible, if you have a physical Bible. The, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, there's a, there's a difference between something being given and something coming. Are you with me? I can issue a decree. I can issue a law. I can give you a present. I can give you something. I can issue something. But there's a difference whenever I show up. Come on, I can send you a package in the mail. And so this is, this is the analogy that is being made right here. It is saying the law was given through Moses. You guys know the law, right? We're good about that, right? We know the law. But grace and truth came through Jesus. See, there wasn't grace and truth until Jesus showed up. We see grace in the, in the Old Testament, but when Jesus showed up, boom, grace and truth. Given, a, a religious system can be issued, taught, handed out. We can, we can do that, right? We can make laws. We can post them on the wall. We can, we can have a guide to live by. And I'm not saying those, those things are bad, but we can give that. However, grace and truth must come through a person. It can't just be issued. It must be experienced. So God shows up. The law gave man responsibility for his connection with God, right? This is what happened. God said, hey, you want to be close to me? Don't do this, 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 don't do this. Right? Law. Ten Commandments. Big old book for Levites, for people that were going to serve God, people that are going to run with God. All these rules, lists, regulations. God gave us that. 
Those were things that mattered to God. He said, you want to be close to me? Do this stuff. The law was given. It was a system. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that system didn't work. God created a system that didn't work. Because of God? No. Because of us. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. How many know that we're, we're born with a sinful nature? Right? Sinner's sin. Right? It's, it's interesting how many times as Christians we have expectations for people that aren't Christians. <laughs> it's like, that's their nature. Of course they're pagans. Of course they're heathens. Of course they're acting like that. Of course they're doing that. <laughs> right? Sin or sin. Right? It's interesting how we have a value system for people that are under the law. Guess what? You were there too. And you couldn't keep the law either. And you still can't. You still can't. So God did what the law could not do. God did what the list, what that was, that which was given couldn't accomplish. Are you guys with me today? He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control in our life. Isn't this good news? He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and that body God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us. So you don't have to keep the law. Jesus Fulfilled it for you. Are there good things in there to do? Absolutely. But that is not the mode of justification anymore. The law was given. We were jacked up. We couldn't keep it. God said, I'll fix it. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, come on, but instead follow the Spirit. So we see that God gave the law. He gave man responsibility for our connection with God. This is what the law does. You want to be close to God? Do this. Right? Jesus came... He wasn't issued. He came so that he could take responsibility for that connection. He who knew no sin became sin to take responsibility for our connection with God. God was like, we're not connecting. You're not doing what I said. You're not, you're not answering the decree. You're not keeping your end of the deal. 
So he says in Jeremiah, I'm going to establish a new covenant. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of the old one, and I'm going to establish a new one. I'm going to fulfill it in this new one, and I'll be a husband to you. And here is the bridegroom, Jesus. And he will fulfill the requirements of that law so you can be right with me. I'll do it through Jesus. So Jesus took it personal. He said, that's it. I'm sick of people not being able to be close to me. I want them. I've tried to do it this way, but this isn't working. So I'll do what's absolutely necessary. I'll send one sacrifice. It'll be the last one that'll ever need to be made to make man right with God. So we have this thing that happens when Jesus is born called the incarnation. Jesus always was. Jesus, there's some cults that, that teach Jesus. They, they say that it's the same Jesus. They tell you it's the same Jesus. It's not the same Jesus because they'll say that Jesus was born a man. He was just man. He was just the son of God, but he's not God. How can you be the son of God and not be God? It's kind of in your DNA, isn't it? And so they say that, well, he was a good moral teacher, He's this good man. He wasn't God. It's not the same Jesus. We believe that Jesus, because of the scriptures teach us here, that before the world ever began, he was there. He was there. He showed up. But when Jesus entered the scene, all of a sudden he took on skin. He took on human form. How many of you know that he was, he was God and he was a person, but he was not man yet? Come on, are you with me? He always existed. But he wasn't a person. He, wasn't, he was a person. He had a personality, but he wasn't a man yet. So he came into the world, born of a virgin, which is very important to break the sinful nature. Born of a virgin to take on human form. Now, forever, he will be a man. Because of the incarnation. See, it's not just Jesus showed up in the end of the story. No, 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 no. He, now there is a man in heaven. Right? He took the, the inabilities of mankind, so we call Jesus the God-man, right? That's kind of weird, kind of a weird thing to call him, but he is. He's the God-man. He's always, he's always been God, but now he is also a man because of what happened at the incarnation. This is the doctrine of the incarnation. God became a man and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Are you all with me? So, this is who we speak of when we talk about Jesus. We're not just talking about this cool guy that walked around and loved to hang out with sinners and, you know what I'm saying, did miracles. We're talking about God in flesh. So, what of this scripture, this grace and truth, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What of this grace and truth? Well, first of all, let's, let's, let's do it in reverse. Let's talk about the truth. How many know that Jesus is the truth? He is the incarnate God-man, the one who always, who always was but took on flesh. He is God the Son, the man Jesus. He is, he, now, now, the Father and the Son aren't the same person, right? This is, this is the, the doctrine of the Trinity. I know I'm breaking down some doctrine, but this is good for you to have. Come on, are you with me? So we are, we are not uh, modalists. We don't believe that, that, that Jesus and God are the same person. We believe that, that they are one in unison, but they, have different, they are different persons. Are you okay? So God, not speaking of God the Father... But God became a man, Jesus. Okay? There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, 
one God, three persons. You guys with me? So we, when we speak of Jesus, this is who we speak of. We speak of Elohim. When you hear the word Elohim, Elohim is a word that means us. It's plural. It's not singular. So when we speak of the Godhead, which is kind of another weird term to say, the Godhead, right? Seems kind of weird to say that. When we speak of the Godhead, we speak of Elohim. We speak of three persons, one God. We are talking about the real Jesus, the real Jesus, the only one who saves. Not this man that was just a good prophet, because if he was a prophet, he prophesied falsely, and he's not a good prophet. If he was a good man, then the things that he said were not good for him to say they were lies. So we, we must decide on this man. Was he a lunatic? Was he a liar? Or is he the Lord? This is the one we speak of. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. Are y'all, you guys okay today? I'm just giving you some theology. It's good for you. You need this. You need this. We need this. I need this. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Right? So we know this. Notice that Jesus didn't say, I'm a way. I'm a truth. I'm a life. No, he said, I am the way. There's no other way. When you came in the building today, there was only one way to get in. This door's locked. You can't get in here. This door back here, it's locked. It didn't even have, have a handle on it. This one doesn't have a handle in it. You can't even come in this room unless you come through that door back there. That's the only way in. Jesus is the way. There's no other way in. People, people try to come in other ways. Jesus said those people were thieves and robbers. Jesus said there's only one way. I am the way. I am the gate, John chapter 10. Only one way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life, right? There's no life. You, you might think that you have a life. There's people that, have, that, that think they have great lives they, because they think life is consistent and of, uh, consisted of abundance of things. But Jesus said life does not consist in abundance of things. I've come to show you real life. I am the life. So real life, you want to experience life the way it was meant to be experienced, you do it through Jesus. And then Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm not a truth. I'm the truth. The truth. Not one of many truths. The truth. Either Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, or he's not. So that's a thing that we have to decide in our life. If, if Jesus is, or is he not? And we say, he is. We agree with what Jesus said. The only way, guys. It's the only way. Don't let anybody talk you out of that. This world and all the postmodernism will just say, well, that's your way, not my way. It's God's way. I love John chapter 8. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. Here's, here's the Jews. Now, Jews were slaves at one time, so it's funny that they say this. 
We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. Yes, you were. Yeah. Hello, Moses. We have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, the capital S son, this son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So Jesus is the truth that brings forth life. So we see this, that truth came through the man, Jesus. Are you guys good today? Kind of quiet. All right. The second thing that it says, it doesn't just say the truth came through Jesus. It says grace. So we're going to talk about grace today. How many of y'all love truth? You love to experience truth. But there's this element in the kingdom that we get to participate in called grace. And when we talk about grace, we're talking about the unlimited, the unearned, the unearnable, the unachievable, the undeserved favor of God. Look at your neighbor and say, God likes you. If you don't have a neighbor, just say, God likes me. Right? God likes you. You are favored by God. That means he doesn't just put up with you. It means that you're favored. And he likes you not because of what you've done today. How you acted to your kids or your spouse. God likes you just like you are. You were jacked up, screwed up, messed up. You were stupid, rebellious, and he came for you. He liked you. The world was screwed up, and Jesus still showed up. I love the story of the garden, because in the garden we see Adam and Eve, and they sin, and they hide. And guess what? God still showed up. He didn't say, I'm not going to go to that garden, those stupid people. I'm just going to let them fend for themselves. See ya. I'm going to create a new earth. I'm going to create a new earth. See ya. Have fun. Have fun at that. Right? Have fun with that devil. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> no! He showed up! God shows up. That's what he does. It's called favor. It's called the grace of God. It says that you were there and you didn't deserve him, but he came anyway. And you were stupid and you still are. And you make crazy stupid decisions, but God still shows up. And he doesn't just tolerate you. He still likes you. I don't get it. I, I talk to my wife all the time. I tell her, you're just a picture of grace in my life. Because I give you thousands of reasons not to like me. And you still do. I don't get it. When we talk about grace, we're talking about God's excessive goodness. His excessive goodness. We're not just saying, oh yeah, God's good. He sent Jesus. The end. No, 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 no. God's excessive goodness. Grace is an excessive word. We don't have to say radical grace. We don't have to say anything. We don't have to add any adjectives to grace. Grace in itself is radical. Grace in itself, and, and I always hate when people feel like that they have to add this word to the front of another word, an adjective, when the word's good enough by itself. Grace is enough. By itself, grace is enough. From the fullness, verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing. That verse before that says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. One translation says, we have received grace upon grace. We were given the grace for grace. Listen, you weren't good enough for Jesus to come 
and you never will be. You weren't good enough. But he wanted you. He wanted you still. It wasn't out of your goodness. It wasn't because of you. And your goodness and your righteousness, Scripture tells us that our righteousness is like filthy rags. It wasn't because of your righteousness. It was because of God's. Not because you were a good human. It's because he's a good God. That's why Jesus showed up in your life. Because he's good. And he likes you. Romans chapter 3. If it, listen, if it sounds too good to be true, it's because it is. Grace is too good to be true. But it's true. It doesn't really fit the words, but it's true. But it's too good to be true. Yes. Moving along. I'll let you figure that one out. Romans chapter 3. We love Romans. Such a good book. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Hmm. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we were made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, no matter what culture you're from, no matter what background you're from, no matter how you were raised. It's belief in this man that saves us. We're not born into the kingdom. We're born again into the kingdom. I love my kids, but they're sinners. Elisa, she's beautiful. She's a little sinner. <laughs> as beautiful and as perfect she is, she is full of sinful, full of a sinful nature. And without Jesus, she will screw her life up. Dang it. For everyone has sinned. I just want to go back to that. Oh, I'm not from a family. I wasn't raised in church. La, 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 la. Listen, those aren't the credentials for Christianity. Christianity isn't about your upbringing. Listen, if you're born into a Muslim family, you can be a great Muslim. You don't have to do anything. You just got to be born into a Muslim family. But, but to get in on this thing, to get in on God's deal, you got to be born a second time. You got to place your faith in Jesus. This is the gospel. There's bad news. We're all sinners separated from God. All of us going to hell when we die. That's where we're going. Don't preach that today. That's not tolerant. We're just talking. We're just saying what Jesus says. You want to see God? You got to go through Jesus. He's the only door. He's the only way you're getting in. Well, that's not very good. He provided the way. You just say yes to the way. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Listen, if you put your faith in Jesus, just say that. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. People say, look at you all, self-righteous. I'm not self-righteous. I'm the righteousness of God. It's way better than self-righteousness. I mean, arrogance, that's not righteousness. But you are the righteousness of God. You need to understand that you are right before God, not because of anything that you've ever decided to do in your life, except for believe in Jesus. That's the only thing that ever made you righteous. The only thing. 
Y'all okay today? For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous and he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. You see, grace really isn't an idea or a concept. Grace is really a person. Grace is a man. Jesus is grace. Come on, are you with me? Jesus is grace. You get Jesus, you get grace. Jesus came. He came loving. We got this? Jesus came loving. Everybody thinks that like he was mad all the time. Or God's still mad all the time. God ain't mad all the time. Does God get mad? Yes. Does God get really mad? Yes. God will continue to get mad. Yes. Does God have wrath? Yes. There will be wrath. There will be the wrath of God. Yes, there will. But you can escape it because God provided a way out. His name's Jesus. Come on. He came loving. God was, God's motivation all throughout Scripture is love, and we're going to talk about it, that, that in this series. God isn't like having a fit. He's not depressed in heaven. Oh, just don't know what I did with the world. I wish there was something I could do. He already did what he could do. He sent Jesus. That's what he could do to fix the world. He put it on Jesus, but he said, all you got to do is just say yes to the to the provision that I've made. It's like this. It's like someone wrote you a check for $10 billion. And they deposited it in your account. Come on. I don't have any problems. I got $10 billion. Listen, if you got problems before you got get $10 billion, you're going to have problems after. Money ain't going to solve your problem. Mm. So they deposit this money in your account. And this is what we do. I'm so poor. I just wish I had I to go out and eat. I wish I just had a little money to pay the electric bill. I wish I just had this. I wish I just had that. Had a billion dollars in your bank account. You have an unlimited resource of money. Well, it's not completely unlimited, but pretty much. And it's sitting in a bank account. And you're sitting here going, I wish I had money. There's already provision. You just got to cash in. You just got to pull up to the teller. You got to push a little button and say, give me my money. Sign a little thing. Right? Show me driver's license. It's the same way with our righteousness. There's all this righteousness in the bank. All this provision that God has already provided for. And you just got to pull up to Jesus and say, hey, I want what you came to give me. I want what you provided for me. This is the grace of God that we talk about. It's unearnable. Some of y'all been thinking about what you would do with a billion dollars in the last two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
God's love is always unconditional. God's love is all in, all, always unfailing. But Jesus revealed it on a whole new level. 1 John chapter 4. God is love. And God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Through. He took it personal. This is real love. This is real love. Not that we have loved God. Our life is better when we love God. Come on. But it's not that we loved God. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us enough and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I've heard so many illustrations about, you know, Jesus, the incarnation. And I heard this story about these ants. And these ants were, you know, hanging out one day. And all of a sudden they heard this sound of this thunder. They're like, what is that sound? I don't know, but I'm an ant and I'm talking. And that's weird. And so they look and they can see a lawnmower coming. The lawnmower is coming to destroy their ant pile. It's Josh Brown pushing that lawnmower. Come on. They're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They're going to kill us. He's going to kill us. He's going to kill us. And then the illustration is, you know, I'm totally screwing it up. But the illustration is that, you know, if... If I was an ant, I could communicate with the, or if an ant could just communicate with the person that's pushing the lawnmower, then the destruction wouldn't happen. And something like that, right? And so the ant is like, yeah, it's really bad. I don't even plan on saying this, obviously. And so the, the ant is like, you know, well, if I could just, and then the, the man is like, well, if I could just become an ant, the guy pushing the lawnmower, the Josh Brown, he's like, if, he's like these ants need to get out of the way or I'm going to mow over them. How am I going to tell these ants? They're about to die. They're about to be mowed over by Josh Brown. Well, if I could just become an ant, then I could go down and be an ant, and I could tell the ants, hey, let's get our stuff out of here. He's coming with a lawnmower. That's, that's the illustration. So God became, in this analogy, God became, he was a man, he became an ant. But I think the analogy is very weak because it's, it's not like a human becoming an ant. It's like a human becoming like a pebble, a rock, a lifeless thing that doesn't do anything, that doesn't function at all. God became something so foreign to him, although it was created in his image, it was so foreign to him. God, God really downgraded for you, big time. Are you with me? Big time God downgraded. He became a man. God became a man. Not humans becoming ants. God becoming man. It's enormous. So he came loving. He did this out of affection. He did this out of desire. He came loving. And secondly, he came looking. He came looking. One of the things I love that Jesus said in John and Luke chapter 19 he said, for the Son of Man, Jesus always referred to himself as the Son of Man, came to seek and to save those who are lost. See, he didn't just come 
to save you. He came looking for you. He came looking for you. I believe 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on that cross, I believe that his mind looked because he was still God. I believe that he looked beyond the corridors of time and he saw you and he saw, saw me and he said, I want them and I'll pay this price for them. They're the ones that I want. Because he is able to do that, he went to the cross. He came looking for us. He came to provide a way where there seemed to be no way. He came to us to win us. The word redeem, we use that word and we think of always in that God got me. But if my wife is a couponer, 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 and she can't just sit at the house and go, I got all these coupons. They're good as money. Look at all these coupons I got. got 450,000 coupons. Most of them are expired. Just kidding, man. No, she, no, 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 no. She has to go redeem that coupon. She has to, it has to be bought from her. Are you with me? I got the paper, give me the money. Right? It's like they give you these cards. Somewhere we, we had it, someone sent us a card. I think it was like Sam, Sam's Club. They sent us this card for church membership. Church membership. Here's your five dollar reward for this year. Oh, great! Five dollars. Paid sixty bucks for this. <laughs> right. So I go and wait in line for three hours for five dollars, <laughs> and I take the coupon, and I go, "Give me my money." I didn't do that. I was like, "Hello." Can I have my five dollars, please? <laughs> right. So happy about five bucks, you know. It's funny, like a kid doing, you know, quiet game for a dollar. I mean, it was like that kind of deal. I give them the coupon and they give me the five dollars, cash right there. <laughs> Redemption. Redemption. So Jesus bought you back. He bought you back. You were lost. You were no good. The only thing that you were in his eyes was worth it. You were worth it. So don't get into this, woe be me, I'm not worthy. No, 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 no. You are worthy. God paid a high price for you not being worthy, so don't be talking like that. You're undeserving, but you're not unworthy. God saw you worthy. And he said, I want him, and I want her, and I want them to be with me, and I want them to experience my affection. I want them to, to know that I'm after them, and I want them to know that I love them, and I want them to know that I have so much more than they can even imagine for them. <laughs>